Hello, and welcome to the In Contention podcast. I am one of your hosts, Ruben Bressler, alongside Matt Cranstuber. Good afternoon. And Joey Pasco. Hey, guys. That was weird doing that. Yeah. That was like being Sam is the weirdest. <laughs> does, does it? I'm so, I'm so used to just having. Hello, and welcome to the In Contention podcast. <laughs> That's going to take some getting used to. Absolutely. Sam uh, probably won't care because he's uh, he's in a wonderful world of ima- pure imagination. As as Klug, um, Eric Klug posted a tweet earlier today, I actually just couldn't stop laughing that uh, Sam's first day, or, or maybe it was yesterday, Sam's first day, he was walking around like Charlie in the Chocolate Factory, and Mark exactly. Logan was like, Gene Wilder singing the Pure Imagination song. <laughs> I can see him dressing up like like Willy Wonka. Oh yeah, definitely. Wouldn't so, that be insane? do you think Sam has ruined magic yet? Uh, if he hasn't, uh, it's only probably a matter of days at this point. I was going to say over under two and a half days. Yeah, I, I'd take the under. He's pretty quick. He's pretty quick He's at ruining pretty- things. I agree. He'll just walk in there and be like, "Here's the thing. <laughs> Everything needs to cost like two mana." Including this new Wrath of God variant. And it just, like, ruined everything. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, so this is our first show with, uh, with, the, new, with the new cast mate, um, Joey Pasco. Joey, happy to, to have you as a part of the team. Like, uh, like we said last week, we've got a, got a new show, new format, new frontiers, and uh, ready, to, ready to take it on, man. Sounds yeah, very exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So we got some topics this week. We got some good ones. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, oh, wait, wait, topics? Hashtags. There we go. So uh, hashtags. We have some M13 discussion. So we have hashtag exalted. Uh, then we have our hashtag what ruling uh, for the Cavern of Souls debacle. Then we have um, some discussion about Star City Nashville results uh, as well as some discussion on the star city circuit uh, to talk about some legacy results um with the sh- the good showings of dredge and sneak and show so uh yeah that's a lot of good stuff where, where do we start where do we- yeah uh you where- want to start at the top <clears throat> the exalted like you mentioned uh, i'm sorry the m13 that you mentioned that i just ruined the surprise <laughs> for everybody <laughs> yeah I guess that would be the most logical so uh a few days ago we had uh, our first um well i'll, I'll backtrack a little bit uh, Wizards has done something a little different in that uh, it, with each M set, they're introducing an old mechanic, um, not an evergreen mechanic, but something that is very evergreen-like that they can put in the base set. Um, so, for instance, we had with M11, we had we had Scry. Um, with M12, it was um, – did we even have one with M12? No, it was Bloodthirst. Bloodthirst, you're right. Oh, yeah. And, um, and then with this, uh, with M13, it's going to be Exalted. Which is very interesting. Um, of course, the first card that pops into everybody's head when you say Exalted is, of course, Noble Hierarch. Um, exactly. Which is like, you know, one of the one of the most beloved mana bugs of all time. And uh, so, yeah, we, we got a, a, a few new cards out of the set. And one of the one of the most interesting things that we've seen is that they've actually named a shard. Um, in one of the cards, and, and in fact, I, I have to pull up the spoiler here, but they named right, a... Right, I got it. Good. It, it, what's that new card, Ruby? The, the legend is named... Uh, well, first of all, this is in an article by our buddy Greg Hainig, uh, at End on Twitter. 
Uh, it's on Gathering Magic is where I found it. And he, uh, I don't think it's a spoiler, but he has um, basically, for the first time I've seen it is Neferox, Overlord of Grixis, which is four colorless black, black, legendary creature demon. He's a rare, uh, not a mythic, as far as I can tell, with flying and exalted. And when Neferox, Overlord of Grixis, attacks alone, the defending player sacrifices a creature, and he's a 5-5. Five five. Wow. So, yeah. yeah, that guy's pretty good. Right, so there's a couple things going on with this guy. One is, um, obviously, the ability is very, very powerful. The ability to just uh, edict your opponent with a creature that's going to hit for six uh, if it attacks by itself is real powerful. It's it's also real good with the um, with the the black as the only creature on the table theme from the most recent uh, Addison Restored. Mm-hmm. Oh, and yeah, it does yeah, it the, does the fact, loner mechanic kind of thing. Yeah, the loner mechanic like homicidal seclusion and whatnot. Right. And it also has exalted on a black card. And we also have another black card uh, that was spoiled from Duels of the Planeswalkers. It's in one of the screenshots that is Servant of Nephorox which appears to either be a three colorless and a black 3-1 or a five colorless and a black 5-1 with, with Exalted. Wow. And that's a, that's a, a uncommon. So the, the thing with this, it, it, and someone correct me if I'm wrong, have we seen legendary creatures in base sets before? Yes, we have seen it once. There was a cycle of legendary creatures in uh, 10th edition with... Uh, Ascendant of Vincar was the oh, was the oh, one that was on yeah. Arcanus. The and, uh, oh right, Arcanus. Yeah, 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 yeah. But they didn't really have a storyline behind it. The, the thing about M thirteen is it's very heavily um, Alara themed because Nicol Bolas is in it. Obviously, that was one of the first things spoiled, and now we have this uh, Exalted theme. So. I think that that's pretty interesting that they're integrating a plane. They're integrating like a theme into the base set. Yeah, it's actually yeah. it's it's kind of crazy that they're, you know, we had seen them return to kind of a classic fantasy feel back with M10, and that was just you know back in summer 2009 where we saw Bane Slayer Angel for the first time and Gin uh, of Wishes and things like that where it was very classic, very going back to the roots of Alpha um, mm-hmm. and, and that kind of thing. So and I love that, and um, while I'm I'm excited to see them potentially. Uh, include some references to, to things like Grixis, to, to Alara, and things like that. I really hope they don't overdo it, because I, I love the fact that the, the base set is is kind of classic, and it really, you know, these spells and these creatures could kind of be found on almost any plane. I like the, you know, the Ponder, the Preordain, obviously I named two ridiculous blue cards, but, uh, sure. you know, but that's the kind of thing that you could see wizards and, and mages and, and planeswalkers doing on any plane, and, and I like that kind of thing. I don't want it to be, um, I don't want it to go too far into the into specific flavor, but but I'm excited about Exalted. I think Exalted yeah. is perfect for for a base set. You're right. The world of Dominaria has sort of like been the base set's home. Um, the only times that we really revisited it were during Time Spiral. But I mean, we we do see lots of things like Yavi Maya and other things like that come back um, in base sets, and uh, so it, it's actually kind of interesting 
that they would say that they would go ahead and call out Grixis. It certainly um, leaves a huge possibility to see Noble Hierarch printed if we're just going to go ahead and call out shards. I mean, it, I would put the likelihood at about eighty percent that we would see that guy come back instead of birds this time Whoa, around. Whoa, that's way too high. Oh, I I disagree. I I think I would put I would put the likelihood at about thirty percent on Noble Hierarch. The, the thing with Noble Hierarch is that it's a green card that is, is very it's, – it's loved by players. Like you don't, you don't remember people thinking ill of, uh, of Noble Hierarch being in the format. Um, and, you know, Birds of Paradise is fine, but it, it just might not make sense for a shard-based um, base set. But uh, a card like Noble Hierarch certainly does. So, uh, you know, I don't know. I, I really don't – I don't know what the – you know, until we see like probably another twenty, thirty cards, I don't know like what the direction is going to be. But 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 given that they're calling out Grixis as a as a shard, we may see we may see something pretty interesting, like maybe another tricolor planeswalker, or maybe a cycle of of lands similar to the Trilands. Um, so I, I I don't know. I I definitely um, is interesting that uh, that they're actually bringing in named. Um, like okay, like we're, when they printed uh, Council of the Soratami in tenth edition, that that seemed like very weird to me mm-hmm. because Soratami is like very much a Kamigawa name, right? Um, so like whenever you see those kinds of things, like I, I agree with you, Joy. I think that it's almost out of flavor to bring in something like that 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 really just doesn't make a lot of sense. So and here's it, here's the thing. <laughs> nice. All right, so. I think there's there's two ways you can look at this. I think uh, because obviously you guys are on opposite sides of of the of the fence here regarding noble hierarch, and I think I lean more towards Ruben. But I could see uh, you know I could see noble hierarch seeing print here mostly because we know we're returning to Ravnica, and there's expectations there. There's expectations for a multicolor set in Ravnica. If if we return to Ravnica and and it's not at least fairly heavily multicolor themed. I think people are going to be disappointed unless they do something incredible. And um, I, I, so I think there's expectations of a multicolor set there, and I think those are reasonable expectations. And I think that might be a uh, that might bode well for something like Noble Hierarch. But the thing that I think um, doesn't is that it's it's a card that produces colors of you know one of its technically enemy colors right like blue is not an, a friendly color of green and typically with the base set they like to keep it kind of if a card's going to produce multi-colors and it's not going to produce all five it usually produces friendly color you know allied color pairs or allied colors interesting uh so I, I just think it's kind of it would be kind of weird for them to do that and i think my my prediction i think for um for m13 is that we're going to see cards referencing. I think it might be a coincidence that we saw Grixis and Exalted is in, and Nico Bolas is in because Nico Bolas could be anywhere. He's a planeswalker. He was he wasn't just from Alara. Uh, he was long before Alara. He just appeared there recently. Um, Exalted is just a great mechanic, and uh, and I think that's it's a nice straightforward mechanic. Just happened to be from one of the Alara shards, and uh, and I think. If they're going to be putting legendary creatures into the base set, we may see something. You know, we've got Tamio now from just from 
from, uh, uh, I was ready to say Alara Reborn, <laughs> Avacyn Restored. Um, so we may see some legends from from other planes, and maybe it just happens that we saw the one from, from Grixis, from Alara. Yeah. And it might just be a coincidence. So I, don't, I think they're going to pepper some flavor from other planes around, but so far it's it's been a lot of Alara references. So I, I don't know about Noble Hierarch. I'm I'm maybe fifty fifty or maybe maybe forty percent. I'll I'll lean a little further than Ruben. Yeah. Well, r- regardless, uh, you know, I think the the thing that I, I've always enjoyed about the base sets is that Birds of Paradise has always been a part of it. And um, Birds is one of my favorite creatures of all time. And I'm I'm actually just kind of sad that I know that it's it's time is uh, is probably. He's he's probably not long for this world, and uh, so well, don't don't be so don't be so hasty on that because remember the last time Birds wasn't in the base set, it was reprinted in Ravnica. Yeah, so but uh, you know we'll, we'll we'll see. But there's going to be way too many mana bugs. Like we can't have Birds of Paradise and Noble Hierarch and Land Worlds and Avacyn's Pilgrim. Like no, definitely that's not. Just, that's just way too many. Definitely, yeah. but. Uh, so, speaking of all these mana bugs in a standard format, um, we have had some standard results last couple weeks. We had a uh, Grand Prix and a Star City event that had uh, some pretty different results at both of them, but uh, there's been a lot of discussion the last couple of days about the results of the most recent Star City uh, tournament. Yeah. Uh, if you look at the top eight of Star City Nashville... The top six are all blue-white Delver, which is, you know, it's reminiscent of, you know, last summer and the Callblade era, and I think that immediately gets people thinking, okay, so this seems to be a problem. Where's the ban hammer? Right. So, well, real quick, I I, want to say, um, Ruben, I I really enjoyed your your first time on camera with Prozac. Um, Well, thank you. This past weekend, I thought that was really cool. Um, so I thought I'd give a little Ruben plug there. I missed but, it. But um, Joey, I agree. This this feels very much like Cobblade for a couple different reasons. And Ruben, I know you'll agree with me on one of them. Um, in that the the one reason is that the best players tend to play decks like Delver, so the best yes. so those decks sort of float to the top. Um. And then the other one is just, you know, there's a couple cards that are very, very powerful. And, uh, and, and given that a deck like Delver can fight through cards like Cavern of Souls, which would, you know, on the surface appear to be an extremely uh, efficient hate card toward the, Del- you know, the blue-based um, aggro and control decks is just a testament to just how synergistic and powerful that deck is. Yeah, there's there's all sorts of directions we can uh, we can go with this discussion here because I think first of all we, we have to mention Jerry Thompson won the standard event and this is just uh, I think he also top aided in Legacy he top actually top two in Legacy final the Legacy right. he made the finals of Legacy so almost another double weekend he's the only person I think that's done back to back wins on a weekend he's the only one in the modern the modern era which is the uh, Le- uh, Standard on Saturday, Legacy on Sunday, with live coverage. He's the only one to do that. Okay. Yes, in in the 
in the Star City Open Series as we currently know it. Yeah, and so, almost ran it back with the dredge of all things. Yeah, we'll we'll definitely get to that uh, in, in a bit. But so for standard, Jerry apparently created this deck, uh, or, or at least obviously tuned the deck and and kind of built it in its current form or it's in in the form that he won with it. And I think one of the key inclusions was Restoration Angel, which uh, absolutely. I think the ramp decks have a lot of trouble dealing with. You know, no Slagstorm, no Whip Flare, you know, uh, Pillar of Flame. All these, all these cards that traditionally deal with all of Delver's creatures, Geist of and everything. Uh, it and it keeps mana up. So you can keep your four mana up to do other things like Snapcaster or Vapor Snag or Mana Leak something. Like, you can do all these other things. And because it's basically a mid-spine click, you know, it's a four toughness, three, four flash flyer, mm-hmm. you know. If you've got a whole lot of things. So you can have no board presence at all. End of turn, Restoration Angel, untap, equip to Sword of Feast and Famine, attack, make your opponent discard a card, and untap all your lands again. Right, and then you just mentioned Sword of Feast and Famine, which had sort of fallen out of favor among the swords. War and Peace was seeing a lot more play. Feast and Famine is what uh, what Jerry goes with, which completely makes sense when you're playing so many uh, Flash creatures with Restoration Angel and Snapcaster Mage. And also when there's less Lingering Souls in the format. Yeah. So so uh, the Sword of Feast and Famine obviously being a big part of it. And I, I just want to make notice, note of this, that if you just look at Star City's front page today, uh, and it's... Uh, it's Wednesday, so obviously this isn't going to apply necessarily when you guys are listening. Uh, three of the articles are referencing Delver in some way. Well, let's see. Chapin's article says it is titled The Next Card to be Banned. Right. Cedric Phillips <laughs> has cursed you, Jerry T, for, for building this deck or for basically tuning this deck to, its, uh, to this form, which is going to be really rough. For uh, for people to beat at least theoretically, um, and then Sam Black, his article was uh, was Nashville a fluke or is Delver that good? And so everybody's kind of up in arms about the fact that Delver just put six players in the top six of uh, of Nashville. And so I don't know. I think here come the discussions. This time last year, it was all about banning Jace or Stoneforge, which happened. Could we see another another banning on uh, on June twentieth? So I guess the first question would be, you know, given that that the deck doesn't really have a good scapegoat. I mean, you could arguably call out three to four different cards in the deck that uh, if you ban would sort of make the deck fall apart. But uh, you know, which one would be the most appropriate one? Um, you know. I, I like. I think the two most obvious cards uh, are Ponder, which is you know banned uh, in in, in many of formats, yeah. um, and in uh, Snapcaster Mage. Um, you know, r- really, like honestly, I think the the problem card is Vapor Snag, personally. But um, I know as funny as that sounds, that's just the card that uh, when I've seen the Delverdax interact, it's almost always being able to just get. Vapor snag advantage, mm-hmm. and um, but the thing but, about that though is that unsummon is legal, and I've actually seen some decks running copies of unsummon alongside a vapor snag. There was a deck that three won to daily either yesterday or the day before that had four vapor snag, three unsummon. Wow. Yeah. You know, being that it's a tempo deck, you know, unsummon is 
is a great tempo card. You know, you, sure, you tap your 3-4 mana to play your guy, and, and I'll spend one mana whenever I want and negate all of the effort that you put into playing that card. And uh, backed up by cards like Delver and Snapcaster and just being able to play the, the attrition game, you very quickly whittle your opponent's life down. So, you know, you're right. So to me, like, that, that maybe points more toward having Snapcaster leave the format more than Ponder just because Snapcaster is the one that's really making the unsummon effect go over the top um, because you get to basically have a mana war for uh, an instant speed mana war whenever you need it. Um, or it's more like a double double mana war. But, uh, you know, that's that's a... I don't know. What do you guys think? Like, I, I would personally think, like, I think Snapcaster in general is not a very good card for standard. Um, it doesn't it doesn't feel like the kind of card that Wizards would want to drive a standard environment, especially seeing decks like Delver. Um, whereas Ponder, I think, maybe lends itself to other, other archetypes that, that could come about and doesn't necessarily... Um, pose the same problem that Snapcaster has, which is, you know, it's very, very easy to play Snapcaster in a number of different decks with it without breaking a sweat because the mana fixing is so good. Now, I was on the, just full disclosure here, I was on the side of not banning either Jace or Stoneforge Mystic when that argument came up. I thought that there were ways to combat it. It's good to have a villain in the format. I think that any any format should have a villain. Now, when it reaches affinity levels, where 80% of the field is playing affinity, that's one thing. But I don't think over even, 50, I would say about 50% of the field at most was playing Callblade last year. Not even close to that is playing Delver this year. So I am willing to hold back the Banhammer for now. Uh, the most likely candidate is, of course, Stoneforge Mystic. Uh, not Stoneforge Mystic. Um, Snap- uh, Snapcaster Mage. But Snapcaster Mage has a similar problem with Stoneforge Mystic, which is uh, it does... You know, there, there are three really unfair things that you can do in, with creatures. Um, one of them is having Flash. One of them is Tutorability. And I guess in connection with that, Reusability. And one of them is sneaking things into play. So Stoneforge Mystic could tutor and sneak things into play. Snapcaster Mage does not tutor, but it tutors your graveyard. So it's somewhat similar. It's like re- it's reusability. And it has flash. So it has two of the three unfair things. Plus they're both two mana, so they come down very early and create a lot of advantage. So I can see the argument for Snapcaster Mage being banned. With that said, there's a lot of things that, like, this is a totally unexplored format still. Like, I think that that Brad Nelson getting second place at the Grand Prix with a Grand Architect deck that had no cards from Avacyn Restored, coming in second to a blue-red Delver deck that that no one else was playing, even a similar list. No main deck counterspells. No main deck counterspells, exactly. And uh, and only three sulfur falls, which yeah. is probably wrong, but that's another discussion entirely. Anyway, there's a lot of play in this format, and sure, Jerry Thompson has found, as he often does, the best deck. And but now we have a target. Now there's a villain, so you can now have a, a shift in the metagame 
where you can create a metagame, right? Now, you know, a- Five Color Control was the villain for a while, or Fairies was the villain, and you had a target on their back. So when Fairies was the villain, you played Kithkin, and Kithkin was able to beat that. Well, what beats Kithkin and Fairies? And, and then Mono Red became a thing. And so the format developed. And I think that now, that's, it, we're sort of at the beginning of that right now. And I, I think that's a really good point, Ruben. And, um, you know, if you read Zach, Zach um, Hill's article, um, gosh, it was like a couple months ago. We actually talked about it. Right. Joey and I talked about it on TAPS. Mm-hmm. Um, he, he basically talks about how, like, the problem, uh, a big problem card is Mana Leak. Um, and, and Cavern was sort of like this safety valve for Mana Leak. And it was just basically saying, like, look, it's Mana Leak's a problem card. And, and it could be argued that Mana Leak is, is a card that is making the Delver deck too good as well. Um, but again, I'll still probably point back to Snapcaster being the main culprit. But uh, I guess my point with this is that with decks like Fairies, um, they had an extremely hard time disarming the Fairies deck. It wasn't until um, Volcanic Fallout, until Fairies really, like, wasn't the menace that it was. And even and even then, like, they, they continued to have to print cards that dealt with Fairies decks, like, all the way through the end of the Shards block. Right, M10 uh, had great Sable Stag. Yeah, exactly. And and it's like, Delver Delver's very similar in that, sure, it's a deck that you can try to metagame against. Like, you, you could play, you know, some sort of big green monster deck with, with Cavern of Souls and whatever, but at the end of the day, like, if you cannot beat the tempo uh, the tempo spells, or if you can't beat the counter spells, or if you can't beat whatever, like, it's a deck that just is very synergistic, and, um, you know, being able to play a Flying Wild Nakato on turn one, um, or turn two, is something that, you know, it's very difficult to metagame against that without just completely killing yourself. Um, you know, you, if if you beat a deck that, that can beat Delver, you're basically saying, I'm not going to beat any deck with green in it. And, like, that's just not the kind of, like, format that I think is very good. Like, you know, Fairies, the format was much bigger, I feel like. There, was a, there, was, there were much more viable decks. And I feel like this format has a lot of red-green decks or, like, green-based rant decks. Um, and then Delver. And that's largely due bec- because of the power of Titans. And, um, and, and, or I should say Delver decks and Snapcaster decks. And uh, so I think if you take Snapcaster out of the format, sure, it might it might not be the best move for, for the format just because, like, you want to be able to give it time to grow. We have a new M set coming out. But I think you're going to see more interesting decks come about. I think the blue decks will have to, to really redefine what they're doing um, in order to create, you know, uh, an advantage. And I think that that would be really cool to see them ban Snapcaster. But uh, I don't know. That, that's just my two cents on it. I think uh, I think Delver as a deck, as far as you know, bannings go. Delver is the deck is kind of like a centipede, and we're talking about which of its legs to take out. And it's it's really it's it really could survive. I think if you take if you take out Ponder Snapcaster, the deck could still run. Uh, it might be similar to what we saw last summer after we saw Jason Stoneforge disappear and Callblade, you know, quote unquote Callblade deck still winning in the weeks following because they just went, all right, well, we'll play Hero of Blade Hole, Blade Splicer, and, you know, it was it was suddenly like, well, wait, what happened? This still looks like it's a blue-white blade deck. Uh, uh-uh. So um, I think I think I'm, I'm with Ruben and, uh, in 
in saying that I'm not I'm not behind bannings right now. Like I don't think that that's necessary, and I think it's a, a function of a lot of the best players in the room showing up with the same deck. And it's no coincidence that some of these guys I think work together on the deck. And so hey, if we're the best players, we're gonna more likely top eight. And hey, we all happen to be playing the same deck, which is usually thought of as as one of the top two decks in the format, next to some sort of red green aggro uh, variant. So, I I don't want to say it's a fluke because I think Delver is a good deck, but I think if you put these same guys in the in the tournament all playing uh, some like a red green aggro deck or a ramp deck, a lot of these guys would still have made top eight, and we might have been having a different discussion right now. Right. Sure. Speaking of the red-green ramp and red-green aggro decks, and speaking of Cavern of Souls, which we were discussing a little bit earlier, um, we let, let's talk a little bit about how Caverns... Let's, let's talk about the evolution of where Caverns sits in the metagame. So when, we, when it got spoiled, everyone was like, oh god, this is the end of magic as we know it, as happens every three months. Something ruins magic, right? Yep. But... Now we've sort of seen this evolution of the metagame where it's back to Delver, and Delver can handle the caverns, especially in this new version where he has, uh, where they have two uh, sideboarded ghost quarters, which I think is sort of an unsung hero of this deck. They're very important to the strategy that this deck's trying to command. Mm. Um, uh, I would also note that previous to this weekend, uh, Red Green Aggro and Red Green Ramp were the best decks. Like... Three of the top four decks in, I believe it was Orlando, were Red Green Ramp, and then the two previous opens were Red Green Ag- were won by Red Green Aggro. Right. So I think that this is a, a relatively healthy metagame. It's just it just so happened that this weekend six players got in the top eight. Um, so we'll have to see where it goes going forward. But uh, I, I, I I'm interested to see how Cavern handles Delver now that Delver's shifted to this new Delver. Yeah. Uh, I think as far as Cavern goes, and I, you know, the fact that you mentioned it, we should also mention that uh, the ruling actually was re- reversed. The ruling that we talked about last week about you need to, to specify which ability you're using, and if you don't, it's assumed you're just using the colorless ability. Uh, it was reversed to where now if you don't it's assumed you're using the uh, the uncounterable ability on the cavern, which I, I, I two quick things, it, or I guess I guess I say two, it may be three. Uh, I I don't like the fact that they are going back and forth on this. Make a decision and stick with it. Uh, Agreed. Two, um, I'm just surprised that they would go back and forth, and I'm surprised that they are not. I, I, obviously, the card has a problem. The way it was printed, it, it causes problems if, the, if you're not going to communicate, right? If there's no communication, that's what's causing the whole problem because if there's clear communication, we're not even – it's not a problem. Uh, so obviously with this card, it, it requires special attention, and I'm, I'm surprised that they're leaning towards letting people not make clear communication and get the benefit of the card. I would think that they would want the exact opposite because you want people to – be clear with their plays in this game and to let people kind of be quote-unquote lazy about it and not worry. They don't have to worry anymore. They just tap it and it does whatever it is that they wanted it to do. They get the benefit whether they're clear or not. I'm surprised that they don't want to 
reinforce good habits. And I think the the only justification I can see for it is for, you know, little Skippy at uh, FNM who shows up and thinks his card's uncounterable even if he doesn't announce it, and it discourages him from playing Magic. And I guess that's the, the only justification I can see for for this, but that's that's my two cents. I agree. I'm, I'm fine with that at FNM. I still think that at larger events it shouldn't be that way. I'm just I'm upset about it. How hard is it to point to a card and be like, use the ability? It's not. Like, card plays itself now. Right. <laughs> I, I so, don't like it. And just, just for, for uh, humble brags, I got 10th uh, place in the Legacy portion with two Cavernous Souls in my, uh, my Maverick deck. And I had the, the pleasure of going turn one Cavernous Souls on Human Noble Hierarchy into turn two Knight of the Reliquary several times against blue decks. And that felt real good. <laughs> so while we're on the t- while we're on the topic of legacy, which first of all I do want to say, Ruben, I, I I was really excited when someone misquoted, or maybe you misquoted yourself, saying that you had four Windbrisk Heights in your Maverick deck. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I, that was a deck registration and, error on my like, part. What what tech is this? This is awesome. But obviously they were Windbrisk <laughs> or uh, uh, Windsor Tees. But I liked your list. Um, I, I still stand behind the, the, um, that Cavern is going to change the way that we play Legacy. I think it's going to slowly bleed in. I'm really waiting to see more um, decks like Blue-Black Control with like Dark Confidant just play that card to be able to always resolve the Confidants and Snapcasters, like a Wizards-type deck, um, in addition to Goblins and Maverick and things. I, I mean, I, I'd love to see that land do some damage in Legacy, because I think that's where it needs it the most. But uh, on, the, on the topic of Legacy, um, some decks that have been doing really well very consistently are Dredge, which we've seen win um, an opener two, as well as pretty consistently make a bunch of top eights. And then the Sneak Attack decks, or the, the Show and Tell decks, um, mostly in the form of uh, you know Show and Telling and Emrakul, but also we've seen um, Doomsday uh, Baseless and Hive Mind. Um, but uh, th- this time around, we had two sneaking shows um, in the top eight of the legacy portion for Nashville, Incl- including including the winner, including the winner, right? So, um, for for those of you not in the know, the the sneaking show decks are basically they revolve around casting show and tell and sneak attack in order to cheat into play Emrakul and other uh, various sundry fatties. It's like reverse uh, reanimator. Yeah, yeah, it's exactly. Urza Saga dot deck. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, is there a, is there a creature that we could play from Saga? Probably not. I mean, there is. We could put in Phyrexian Colossus if you want, but nice. that's Why not too good. Avatar come back, please. Yeah, that's a good one. <laughs> I like that one. There was a point in time when that was my favorite creature ever. It was a while ago. There was ago. a point in time when that was everyone's favorite creature. <laughs> Fair enough. I remember getting a foil of that. I think I paid $60 for it, like, you know, 10 years ago. And I and I had it, like, in a hard case. I may have, I may have may as well worn it around my neck. I, I love that thing so much. So, but... The card's uh, good with Sarah Avatar is a, a Grizzly Brand. <laughs> Grizzly Brand. That's the other card that I really want to talk about, um... For I, I don't know if it's showing up as much in the sneak and show list. It is. It's, it's a def- four up. Okay, good. It's um, the, the way that sneak and show lists are working now is you either sneak or you show in a grizzle brand, immediately draw seven or draw 14 against the control decks, get an Emrakul, and then put that into play. 
Right, and and obviously the the reanimator decks are um, playing that over the gin taxes. Um, and I, I knew that it was in the the winning sneak list. I didn't realize that that's like standard tech. I didn't know if that was uh, Jonathan Hickerson's sort of take on it. I guess that it was a four of in both lists. It was it was okay. a three of in the uh, in the fifth place list. Uh, Gris- All right, fine. Gris- 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 so lifelink, pretty pretty yeah. good ability. Turns out, um, tell me about it. So so what do you guys think of of seeing a deck that has cards like? Sneak Attack, Lotus Petal, Intuition, Emrakul, Ponder, Show and Tell—all cards that arguably uh, are maybe maybe too powerful for uh, today's constructed play. I, I definitely think that um, that Show and Tell is one that is is always been bordering on the edge of being allowed to uh, be played in a format because it's essentially blue two dark ritual for 15 mana the next spell you play is uncounterable you know right it's uh i'll talk for a minute about show and tell show and tell enables the following combo decks sneak attack hive mind yeah dream halls reanimator did i make this one i think you i think you pretty much hit them all okay think of any others if there are more it's fine those four combo decks are all of the combo metagame, except for Dredge, which is a big part of the metagame right now, and the smidgen of Storm decks that still survive every once in a while, which I've not even seen very much of. No, we almost never see. I, I think the you last. You don't see Tess, you don't see Ad Nauseam, you don't see Belcher, you don't see Doomsday anywhere. We saw one Ad Nauseam list on camera um, at uh, Orlando, Star City Orlando, but be- before that, I mean, we haven't seen one top eight in months. Right, Doomsday top aided the Bazaar of Moxon like two weeks ago, but that's it. So show and tell is I'm gonna say like the biggest force in the metagame right now. Like if you had to metagame against one card at all, it's uh, show and tell. Yeah, I agree. So I mean, and there's not really a good answer for it. Like I could theoretically see. A M13 card that cost four mana that was a similar to show and tell, and then they would ban show and tell. Yeah, and I, I actually, I, I always thought that Lion's Eye Diamond was going to be the one that should be banned, um, but uh, I think show and tell is much, much more problematic. Um, and, and do you think that the do you think that the the storm based list not doing well is because so many lists? Are uh, are white decks that are able to pack cards like Leyline of Sanctity, um, and uh, and Canonist, like just very easily be able to play those cards without breaking a sweat, or even Gaddic Teague. I didn't see any Canonists or Sanctities in anyone's decks, like this weekend at all. I had one main deck Gaddic Teague, one sideboard Gaddic Teague, and that's pretty standard in Maverick. And there is not a ton for anti-storm hate right now. It just so happens that it's bad against Thalia out of Maverick, and it's bad against Rugged Delver. So Thalia, it's just Thalia, not... Uh, Thalia must be the one that's that's able to kind of keep that nonsense in check then. Yeah, Thalia's a real problem for, for the Storm decks. So, see, the question is, because I, I, I've seen, like, Maverick lists kind of go both ways. Like, either run Thalia... Or you run like the loyal retainers, um, fauna shaman package. Like you can't right. run both. And um, like it seems to me that like I almost think the ad nauseum deck is is in a pretty good position 
to to do some damage. Like it's obviously not as good against Rug because their clock is pretty quick, especially if you throw in things like you know lightning bolts and 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 the direct damage. I think is a real big problem. Yeah, bolt is a real problem if you're trying to add nauseum. Yeah. So, but 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 did you, did you feel like the metagame? I mean, if you look at this top eight, I would love to be playing ad nauseum in this top eight or hive mind for crying out loud. Right. Well, the problem with with doing storm instead of hive mind de- or uh, show and tell decks is show and tell you don't have to do any math. Show and yeah. tell you're like you count to three and you're like, oh, I have three mana. Hey, check this out. Whereas Storm decks, you actually have to do math and think, and so they're not as popular. So you, do you think Show and Tell would would be, or do you think the Legacy format would be better if Show and Tell were banned? I don't know. Um, I, it, it would shift it up. I mean, it's certainly not out of the question. I think that it's more of a plausible ban than, for example, when Mystical Tutor was banned. Mm-hmm. I think that it's about it's it's not as it's not quite to that level even yet, but um, like once we see like maybe a month in a row where only show and tell decks are winning, but that hasn't been the case. You know, Dredge has been taking it down. Rug Delver keeps it in check. Maverick is still a deck. Like I'm, I mean, I'm just the anti-banning guy today. So, <laughs> well, I, I don't know. Like I, I have to disagree with that sentiment, um, given that. Like the legacy metagame is huge. I mean, there was there was once an article written by Steve Menendian that he basically talked about every viable legacy deck that existed, and it was just like insane. You were like mono white stacks, you know, Maverick and Lands and Agrolom, and it just like went through this entire thing. You're like, wow, there's like 75 completely viable decks that you could play in any day. I mean, even if you look at this top 32, they could theoretically win a tournament. Yeah, but so so I'm looking at this this uh, just just from Nashville. Now I'm not looking at any other top eights. Um, the prevalence of of sneak attack and and I shouldn't say sneak attack, but show and tell is not like it's not something to just be dismissed outright. You know, we have rug delver, uh, sneak attack slash reanimator decks, and then some blue white decks. So like blue base blue base control decks. Um, a, a smattering of Maverick and then Sneak Attack decks. Like, like Sneak Attack is, if you look at this, uh, a a fifth of the metagame. Like it's 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 taking up like six slots or seven slots in the top thirty-two. That's significant. Like that that's putting up better results than when before Survival like really exploded and every other deck was running Survival. Um, survival wasn't putting up that good of numbers. So yeah. I think you know, I think the. What's what worries me if show and tell were to be banned? Where's the combo element of the format? You know, is I, I think combo needs to be a part of the format, and I think, as we were mentioning, you know, some of those other decks are already kind of well hated out. Um, you you basically have dredge, and again, the the tiny percentage of storm. I, I mean, reanimator, I guess, is arguably combo control. It's more combo than control, but it just feels like, um, and obviously. Sh- the loss of show and tell will hurt reanimator too. Although typically reanimator will will sideboard you know, the the show and tells, or m- maybe only have a couple main deck and more in the sideboard. But anyway, obviously right. that hurts reanimator too. So I don't think it's necessary, and I, I and I just worry where that leaves the that combo element because I think that's an important part of of magic of any format that there should be some sort of combo deck available. 
and playable. So, yeah, I agree. So, um, you know, this weekend we have Star City Columbus, which is in uh, my hometown, no longer Ruben's hometown, no longer Sam's hometown. Um, it's going to be a, an awesome weekend. Um, Joey, you're going to be doing commentary yep. along with uh, who's coming up with you to do commentary? Cedric Phillips. Cedric Phillips. So Cedric P's coming up. That's going to be a really good, uh, really good format to watch. Ruben, you're going to be in town too, I take it? I am. Yep. I'm having a couple people stay at the house. I think Mark's son is staying at my house. Uh, John Johnson, Ari Lax are coming down, staying at my house. So uh, I'll have some people. Sounds like we're going to have to have a little party. Yeah. And and try to to get some some side drafts in. It's going to... It's going to be awesome, though, because, uh, you know, Origins is uh, is a game show that's in Columbus. It's been here for about 15 years. And, um, you know, the magic presence here hasn't been as heavy lately, but Star City kind of came in. And now we see a lot of a lot of big companies, uh, uh, Troll and Toad and, and Cardhouse and, and uh, Empire Games and all these all these shops coming back in to to uh, to to breathe some life into it. So I'm really excited to see it. It's downtown. If you're anywhere near the Columbus Convention Center. Um, there's also a, a big festival here called ComFest. So uh, if you if you want to break your weekend in half and you want to do some some magic for one half and then the other half you want to go get a funnel cake and watch some see some yeah. naked people walking around. Yeah, see some yeah naked people or uh, or go buy some pottery or see some concerts. Like that's what ComFest. It's the community festival in Columbus. It's super cool. So definitely come by. But uh, obviously, you know, three of us will be there and. And in uh, full swing, hanging out. Um, Hopefully, we'll but, have to uh, re- record a live episode. Yeah, we're yes. going to try to. It'll probably be one of, of a very small handful of live episodes the three of us will get to record. Um, so hopefully, we'll find some time to do that. And uh, we, we definitely want to try to get some discussion on some of the things that we didn't get to today, um, which, uh, which would be uh, some things like talking about magic in uh it, new new forms of magic content uh ways for you to be able to ingest magic content uh, as well as um the makeup of uh of you know who's playing in these star city events and what what is the impact of having pro level players playing those events so do you uh do you guys have anything else to add for this week no i think that's uh, everything i would i'm just going to add a few things i'm writing the uh the uh the welcome to columbus kind of article for star city games cool so that'll be uh that will be up Thursday. Sweet Tweets goes up Friday, and a new episode of Magic the News and Ning is on Monday. Sounds so like you're pretty busy I'm, there, Ruby. I'm a busy boy. That's right. Oof. And, oh, also, uh, for those of you that are interested in, in my comedy career, uh, I have just sent the final notes to my buddy who's editing my album, and that should be ready for sale within a week or two. Uh, so Ruben Bressler, Suggested Friend, uh, one-hour-long album of mine doing stand-up comedy will be available on my fan page um, for purchase for, like, five bucks. And I think I'm going to put it on iTunes also. And uh, if anyone wants to purchase that, shoot me more information or uh, any of that good stuff. And uh, as as always, you can follow us on Twitter. I am KStube. Joey is at Affinity for Blue. And Ruben is MoxRuby, R-E-U-B-Y. And uh, you can follow the show at In Contention. And uh, I think that's it for this week. Until next time, we are In Contention.